So, switching gears rather drastically to a really simple question. Really um, drastically. Yeah. There, there was some questions, several questions, I would say at least two, maybe three or four, about predestination. Ah, uh, yes. And whether or not God chooses those who will be saved, and if he does, well, then how do we, do we actually choose him? So anyways, let's just kind of start. What's, what is predestination, and then what is its opposite, I suppose? Well, again, depends on who you're talking to. There's, you know, some, there's a bit of a bandwidth of how people understand predestination, and that's all informed by theological tradition, kind of who your favorite theologians are and who you've studied under and how that's all been nurtured in your life. Um, I think I think one of the problems with it is that predestination sort of gets confused around God's sovereignty. And um, so my general understanding of it is that God knows who will ultimately come to faith in him. Now, again, other people will make it something else, and I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just trying to operate from an understanding that informs my choices of how I approach the topic. And I, I place a lot of emphasis on its predestination, meaning God knows in advance because he's God what your destination will be when it comes to the decision of faith. Now, I guess the opposite is more of a determination or determinationism where like God actually arranges all of the factors that will lead to the place you arrive, which then begs the question, well, did you have any choice in the matter? Um, I think predestination rather than predetermination, predestination completely allows for the freedom of choice, meaning God knows exactly where this will ultimately arrive without having to fabricate or engineer all of the choices and, you know, scenarios that will lead to it. Um, the thing that makes the conversation so difficult is that we're dealing with a topic that we as human beings can't fully comprehend. Yeah. In this sense, we as human beings, we cannot predict the future. We cannot know what will happen ahead of us. Whereas God can. God's all-knowing. So he knows all things past, all things present, and he knows all things future. And so when we're talking about predestination, we're, we're, we're living in the backdrop or we're, we're, we're having that discussion against the backdrop that you have a God who knows everything. So he knows in advance how something will end up or where somebody will end up. That's just the nature of dealing with an omniscient God. But we want to somehow, in our own human limitations of that kind of a concept, we want to assign some sort of motive to God about how he would handle it. Um, 
or how we think he would handle it. And I just, again, I'm comfortable knowing because he's an all-knowing God, he he just knows where the situation will ultimately end without him having to fabricate or engineer any of the in-between components of it. Yeah, and this this topic is like we jokingly said before we started, this is this is one of those questions that doesn't really have a an ending to it. Because yeah, like you said, we're dealing with a God who's outside of time and with a God who knows everything about everything that happens inside of time right. that we're constrained to. And <clears throat> it's really difficult to know or to try to ju- I guess make sense in our head that because God knew that I was going to be saying these words 10 minutes ago before I started saying them, that those weren't determined. And you could kind of think about it like, well, God allowed me to come into existence. He created me. And he knows when I'm going to die. And so it's like he set up all the dominoes of my life. I'm in the middle one. He kicked it off, right? He knows what's going to happen, but he still kicked it off. And so, like, there's that argument that can be made. It's like, well... I got to choose that I was going to topple over as that domino, right? Mm. But, like, he knew, he started the, everything. <laughs> yeah. It's like, maybe, but not really. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I hear, I see people on the total opposite end of this. Like, say they, or say they go full determinism. I think Sam Harris kind of, uh, he's a philosopher and kind of a popular uh, atheist. He's kind of this whole, like, well, you don't really have any free will. He's a biological determinism kind of person. And you'll get some crazy people that use that as justification to do whatever the heck they want to. And it's like, okay, well, let's just take it to the extremes. I could go and kill someone right after we're done with this podcast and say that that was biologically determined. But I also didn't have to do that thing. So regardless, regardless, big picture, if our acts are determined, if any of this stuff is determined, for all intents and purposes, it sure does seem like we have free will. Yeah, We might not, maybe not. Honest to God, I, I, I've kind of just come and, like, maybe not. I think we do. But for all intents and purposes, it de- certainly seems like we do, and we should live in accordance with that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was, you know, once you identified what today's topic was, I've, I've spent some time kind of thinking like oh, oh, what are some ways to explain it mm-hmm. and i'm not sure these are f- fail proof but here's a way that helps me think about it so we just wrapped up the ncaa men's final basketball tournament that determines the champion right and one of the fun things that goes with the tournament is these tournament brackets and so we we did a bracket at our office our family did a bracket so basically, uh, the the first the original games or the first games of the tournament, they're all decided who's going to play who when, and you get to then choose the winners of each of those games, and as that goes all the way through the tournament down to the the final four and the last two teams that will be playing. Now we as human beings we have absolutely no idea how that tournament's going to fold unfold. Um, we're going to get some of those games right. We're going to get some of them wrong in this year's case. A lot of people got a lot of the games wrong because there was so many upsets throughout the whole tournament. Um, but we have no idea how that's all going to unfold. Um, 
And so every one of those games, teams take the court, they shoot baskets, they get rebounds, they substitute players, they run plays, they they have strategies. That's that's completely their choice. Every player, every coach, every team chooses when they're going to shoot the basket, when they're going to, you know, what side they're going to come up the court. I mean, it's all choice. And we as human beings, we can't tell how that's going to turn out. And like I was saying in, in this particular tournament, there are so many games where one team's 25 points ahead for almost the whole game. And you think, well, I know how this is going to turn out. And then it doesn't. The last few minutes, this other team starts climbing back and then, you know, some desperate shot at the you know buzzer and it sinks it and they win. And we could have never determined that. We, we don't have that capacity. Well, God's standing outside of the NCAA men's basketball championship, and he knows every single one of those winners. He knows what basket is going to be made and which one's not, what player's going to shoot it, and who's going to come in the game at 8 minutes and 21 seconds left and time out. He, he knows all of that because of the nature of who he is. Correct. So, in the illustration, God stands outside. He knows how it's all going to go. He knew who the final two teams would be and who would win by how many points. But every one of those teams had choice. Yeah. He, they all had choice about how they're going to play their games. And that's kind of my view of predestination, is that I'm dealing with an all-knowing God who because of who he is and how he is, there's nothing's ever going to surprise him. And yet he can sit um, in the, the comfort of being, you know, the sovereign ruler of the universe and give us, grant us the freedom to choose. And he can just sort of sit back and cross his arms, if you will, and say, I know how this ends. I know where this will end up. Nobody's going to catch me by surprise. And I think I, I, I think part of that is just because God understands human beings more than we could ever understand ourselves. Mm-hmm. So another illustration that came to mind is if you took like the world's foremost pediatrician, like they, they are the expert of experts when it comes to child behavior. And um, they've, been, they've been watching children, observing children, learning about children for 50 years. No one's smarter about children than this pediatrician. And so that, let's say the pediatrician, they're going to run this test where they have a room. The room has toys, all different kinds of toys in the room. And they're going to let these children come into the room. Some of them, uh, for an hour, three kids are going to come into the room. For another hour, two kids are going to come. Another hour, one child's going to. And they do all these combinations, boys and girls for an hour, and three, two, four. Meanwhile, the pediatrician stands outside of the room, sort of looking at a one through a one-way glass. Kids can't see the pediatrician. But the pediatrician's in there, and because of their expertise, they could say, you know, they could provide a commentary and they say, okay, in about 10 minutes, that little boy is going to go over to that particular toy. And then he's going to play with it for about five or 10 minutes, and then he's going to move on and start playing with that toy over there. 
see that little girl? Um, she's going to sit down at the table and she's going to start playing with those toys or doing that craft. And she'll stay there for 45 minutes of the hour. Now, is, is he predicting that in the sense of influencing their choices? No. The kids were just given the liberty to, to play in the room. But because he's an expert and he's made so many observations of children and their temperament and personalities and their gender and all that, he goes, here's what I know about what they will choose. And I think, I think that's how God works, is he knows us as human beings and he knows us personally. So he can, he can say, I know Paul Wilson. I created him. I've been a part of all the experiences he's had, the education he's had, the parenting that he had. I helped shape his personality, his temperament. I know what his interests are. So God, God can go, okay, I know what Paul's going to choose here. He has the freedom to, to make a different choice. He can choose whatever he wants. I just know him, and I know what he's going to choose. Yeah. Because I, I see his life all the way up until the day he dies. And that, that's my understanding of predestination is God goes, I, I just know the choices they will make, the influences that will have an impact on the choices they make, and I know ultimately where they will arrive. Yeah, no, that's really good. And it reminded me of an example that I've kind of used. It's like if, if I knew that whenever you leave my house today that you were going to get into a car accident, let's say it's because you're texting on your phone, <laughs> whatever it may be. If I knew that, or let's just, let's just say you get in a car accident, am I the one that's going to be held responsible for the car accident? Because I let you leave. Right. Yeah, maybe within the law I'm like, complicit somehow because I didn't say anything. But I'm still not the one who killed you. Yeah, it's all that iced tea I've been drinking. Yeah, yeah, it's all the under tea. Under the influence. Yeah, <laughs> under the influence. Or even take it further. You, somebody might say, yeah, but you didn't create, you didn't allow Paul Wilson to become into exactly. existence. But if you take it further, it's like, well, if I knew that my son, whenever I, if I have a son, that son is going to die at age of 54 because of drunk driving. There's an ethical question here, but like I'd still probably rather have the son, right? And yeah. it's gonna, it, the knowledge of that is more painful than it is uh, I'm doing this to my son. It's more painful that my son is going to make that decision, but I still want my son to come about yeah. and to exist. Yeah. Me knowing it doesn't make, doesn't make me responsible for his drunk driving accident and in death. It doesn't make me just because I allowed him to come into existence. Yeah. There's, that's why the discussion's always so complicated. There's yeah. so many nuances. Yeah, there is. You know, and, you know, so if, if God knows in a predestination sense that at age, and I'm just making some, at age 60, somebody's going to come to faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Um, he knows that because he knows everything. Now, predeterminism um, has this sense of, well, did God orchestrate every single minute of that person's life so that they'd hear this message or have this experience or understand this concept so that at age 60, they would get there? I, there's a sense I could say yes, because God's sovereign, and he influences and fashions 
all the situations of our life. So yes, that that's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with somebody in defiance of no, I don't think that that's how it works. Because I can see how they might understand that. I'm looking at it more from the per, the, the perspective of predestination is that because God knows all of the things that will influence my life along the way, he knows where I'll end up, or that person will end up at the age of 60 to make that decision. And again, I, th- I think the differences are just, they're just subtle nuances. And depending on, you know, kind of what angle you're looking at it from, an all-knowing God is one angle, a sovereign God is another angle. They're both true. To what point do they have influence in us deciding what, in fact, is the right one, predestination or predeterminism? That's where I go, well, it's a fun discussion, but I'm not going to create enemies over it. I'm not going to sit in judgment of another person because they hold a different perspective. Um, You know, I, I think I mentioned to you at another time, when I was in college, I went to this private um, Bible college. It was it was the thing that all these guys would show up in somebody's dorm room, and there'd be you know there'd be fifteen guys in there sitting on chairs and sitting on the edge of bed, sitting on floors, and they'd just be having these knockdown, drag out arguments about theology. And this is this is one of the you know the big ones: predestination and free will and. Oh my word! And I, I, I just had no stomach for it. I sometimes I was in the room because it was my room. <laughs> He's trying to go to bed. <laughs> I got homework here to do, fellas. You know, I don't have time to. And they would just get so worked up, and I'd be just like, "This is ridiculous." The truth of the matter is, one, we're college students. We don't even begin to understand all the implications or nuance of the discussion, but. At the at the end of the day, we're human beings, and we don't have the infinite comprehension to be able to understand the discussion the way that God does. So if you want to be predestination where you know, God looks in advance and because he's all-knowing, he knows how, he knows the destination we'll arrive at, I'm good with that. If you're like, well, no, it's more about God's sovereignty and he determines every single factor that comes to influence where we'll ultimately arrive at. I go, yeah, I can see that too. I'm not going to I'm not going to arm wrestle you for right or wrong over that. We'll just have different perspectives. It's one of those discussions that I think is only properly had after you have accepted Christ's gift of salvation. Oh, because without it, a doubt. Because at the end of the day, there's one question that matters most, and that's whether Christ is Lord. And and to be honest, if this conversation is happening before you have accepted Christ as your Lord, and it's the question that's keeping you from it, the logic behind not saying Christ is Lord and you're a predeterminism kind of thinker? Yeah. The logic there ain't too strong because, <laughs> well, 
You, you get it? It's like, yeah. no, Christ isn't Lord. And it's because of this question and or this topic because he's predetermined everything. I'm like, okay, so that means you're saying Christ predetermined you to say no right now that he isn't Lord and you're just going to accept the the reality of that? Anyways, I think it's kind of a silly logical place to end up if that's something that's hanging you up. But but again, at the end of the day, is Christ Lord of your life? That's that's the that's the question, bottom line, that you have to answer. You know, it's interesting in the in the big discussion of predestination or predeterminism. Um, oftentimes, the gripe is that it's not fair. Yeah. Because in the argument, it suggests that God's choosing some to be saved and go to heaven, and some not. So, God's choosing some to be saved and go into heaven, and God's choosing some not to be saved and go to hell and so some people go that's really a cruel god and why would god do that and and i i can remember i was having a discussion with my dad this is years ago and um i guess i would have been in college at the time and we got talking about predestination and you know the round and round of the argument and i remember him saying to me it's not a question about who doesn't get saved. It's the question about why did I get saved? Yeah. It's like, why did God in his infinite sovereignty and wisdom choose me? Because I, I didn't deserve it. And um, he didn't owe it to me. So rather than spend a lot of time trying to figure out why somebody doesn't the question was why was i chosen and i just remember that having a, an enormous impact on me and um it sort of changes the whole discussion and then i this preparing to have this discussion with you i was doing some reading and i i read this one illustration i thought was really good is if somebody walks into a room with a thousand people and they have they have a thousand dollars they have five thousand dollars make sure I'm telling this correctly five people are going to get a thousand dollar gift and a host of people aren't now all the people who didn't get and say well that's unfair no, I didn't owe you the 5000 It's not like you had worked for it. I just chose to give it to these five people. Yeah. And I think that's where we get wrapped around the argument sometimes is, is God wrong in not giving or offering the effects of salvation or the gospel to everybody? It's available to everyone, but he knows the choices he'll make. But um, he's not wrong in withholding it because they don't deserve it in the first place. And um, it's, it's just, it's simply an act of his amazing grace that we can't even begin to comprehend that he makes it available to any of us. And um, I, think, I, I think sometimes looking at it from those kinds of different perspectives it doesn't necessarily settle the argument, but it provides a little perspective to to think about it. Um, I don't, 
Yeah. I found that helpful. I agree. And I think, too, assessing, like, why it bothers us so much. Just this, like, desire to be free and to not be determined into something. Even if, I think it's just so psychological. Like, you could be doing whatever you want, but if somebody comes along and makes (laughs) you think that, well, you're only doing that because I wanted you to do that. It's like, all right, what are you, a master manipulator? (laughs) But Dostoevsky has this, I'm going to mutilate it, so it'll be a paraphrase version, but he has this kind of this writing in Notes from Underground where he talks about how man so fears that, like, the reality that he might be a piano key, that he's going to he's gonna to attempt, that he's being played, right? He's a piano yeah, key. Yeah. He'll attempt to smash up the whole piano just to avoid being that piano key. Mm. And the argument he was making, and the piano key was kind of the biological determinism. And if you really look at Christianity, I think this is an argument that he was making, is that Christianity, in contrast, is is so outside of the, the biological determinism. Well, you're just, in fact, without in, without Christianity, I think that the idea of predeterminism of having no free will is so much higher because you're just acting off of the biological um, instincts, uh, instincts yeah. and desires, whatever that may be. It's like, well, true freedom is found whenever you say no to yourself, right? That's right. what Christianity teaches. And so, like, regardless, you gain control, you become more free with saying yes to God, maybe he chose you, maybe he didn't, but in all of that, you're going to become more free because of what he teaches you and how he teaches you to live. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I step back and I go, I, I believe I come from the theological position that the death that Christ died on the cross, he died for all. Mm-hmm. And I mean, every single human being, not just the ones God chose every single human being, that death was sufficient for a payment of their sin and the invitation to come to Christ as Savior is an invitation that's made to every single person. So at the end of the day, yes, from a, a God who's all-knowing, he, he knew in advance where their destiny would lie. So he knew who would choose to take that invitation and who would choose to accept that offer. He also knew who wouldn't because mm-hmm. he's all-knowing. And so um, he's, not, he's not being unfair. He's made the offer to everybody. And so really at the end of the day when you stand before God as a person who refused or rejected the invitation, the only blame's on yourself. I, I truly believe he gave you the freedom. Now he knew in advance that you wouldn't make that choice, but he gave you the ability to do it. You could have, and it wouldn't have been a surprise to him because he would have known, because he knows everything he would have known that you would have, but he knew you wouldn't, but it was all there. It was all completely available. So again, I, it's, it's going to be interesting someday to stand before a holy, righteous, all-knowing, omnipresent God. <laughs> there won't be any room for argument going to drive me up the wall. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> you, we just won't reason with him. No. Not because he's unreasonable. It's just that we we won't even be in the ballpark of an intellectual understanding that he has. Now, I, 
I don't have any reason to believe that there won't be the occasion to ask God questions, but it won't be about arguing with him. No. I can sincerely say, God, why did you take my friend at age 60? I mean, he was a father, he was a husband, he was a good man doing good things. Why? I mean, maybe if we're aware of that kind of questions, we I think God's open and available for that sort of thing. But it wouldn't be... I'm questioning why you did that. And yeah, you're not putting him on trial. Yeah, exactly. You would be sincerely <laughs> asking him, explain to me what what your reasons were, the things that I couldn't comprehend about it. What what did I what what do I need to know about that? Just out of a genuine kind of curiosity. But this idea that I'm gonna somehow arm wrestle God into changing his mind. It's just, it's bonkers to me. It's like, really? How arrogant do you have to be? Or how how small does your view of God have to be to think that you're somehow smart enough to intellectual go around with him? Yeah, or be upset. Even if, so let's say your, your idea of predestination and determination, it's, it's the worst side of it. Who are you to question them? Yeah. It's yeah. like, okay, well, you still have the question. If that's your case, you get to choose. Are you going to choose to follow him or not? Yeah. Um, and it's kind of still up to you whether or not you, that's going to be genuine with how you live your life. But, you know, kind of a silly question that I do want to ask God is I want to know all those little things. And I've said this on the past <laughs> podcast now that we're wrapping it up. But I want to know those, all those little things that, like, would have changed. You know how in every going back to the – back the the past in a time machine type of scenario. It's like, well, if you do the slightest thing, it offset yeah. everything. It's like, well, what butterfly did I like almost hit that would have changed my entire life? <laughs> I want to know those scenarios. Like, yeah, White, if you would have, if you would have like taken a left here and gone around this person, is that right? Everything would have been different. That, those are going to be fun to hear about if I think t- to ask them. Is that your, is that your perspective? Meaning you have, a curiosity that if you had gone right instead of left, your life would be completely different. <clears throat> I don't necessarily think that it would have been, but with I have, like, had I decided in this in all of those things, it's like, well, this person decided to go get McDonald's when well, now they're dead because they get hit by a car, right? It's like I'm going to go along with the idea that we we could have chosen not to go to McDonald's, right? Okay. Well, I want to know all those intricate little times that, like, you know, yeah, I would have just been slightly different or ended up in a different place. Or yeah. those are just kind of fun. It's like, you know, what are those little word gram things? Like, you, oh, you yeah. know, you, you take this one <laughs> and then all these possibilities open up. You take this yeah. one, all these possibilities. Now, I don't, I don't ever, I don't think I've ever thought in those terms. Maybe I have, if I had. Yeah, I guess maybe it. At times I have, but I have a couple of moments in my life where I'm like, I really believe that God intervened. Mm. Here's a, this is a story. Um, I guess some of our listeners won't understand it because they don't live in the area, but one night I was driving from my house in Fair Oaks out to Bernie. 
And this was, so I came down Ammon Road. Not important to the story other than the way Ammon Road joins up with this other road in Bernie. And this was before they'd put in all the lights and they'd changed how the lanes work. So basically you were coming off of a side road onto a four-lane highway. And there was no lights to guide that. You just had to wait to make sure the traffic. Yeah, just a stop sign. Yeah. And I got there, and I don't even know what happened. What I'm assuming is I looked in my rearview mirror, and then I pulled out. But the rearview mirror was of absolutely no help to me. I had to be looking out the side of my. All clear. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't paying attention. I mean, I I was so distracted. I just, I looked in my rearview mirror, and I'm like, no, but I guess I'll go. And the, I pulled out onto that road. And this um, uh, Humvee, like this big, huge, you know, one of those SUV kind of. It literally came around. As I pulled it out, it came around me, was over in the, the side of the street. And then came back up on the road. In other words, I pulled out directly in front of it. Yeah. Didn't even notice its headlights or anything. And when I when I realized what had happened, I started shaking. I was like, oh, my word. There's probably no reason other than the good grace of God that I'm not slathered all over this highway. Because he was flying when he went by me. And so... I, you know, that's one of those moments I look back and I go, I'm probably here today because a sovereign God made a determination that he would protect me in that moment. Yeah, well, in the moments that it benefits us, we like it. But whenever we think <laughs> that it's going against our free will, we're like, oh. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And that comes back to the theology of, you know, pain. Yeah. And trouble or difficulty is, and I think that's the invitation God's inviting us to is, okay, you like it when it goes easy, but when it goes hard, I'm inviting you to trust me, to navigate your way through it in the trust that I'm doing something that has purpose. And... I'm inviting you to live by faith that even when it's hard, I'm a good God. I have something I'm doing in your life. And that's a whole other podcast. That is. That really is. Well, I hope that we um, brought some type of, essentially, we don't know, and it shouldn't stop you from following Jesus. <laughs> At we the end of the day, what we're talking <laughs> yeah. about, but and neither will anyone else. <laughs> yeah, I guess the closing comment I would say is, don't get so wrapped up in some of these great theological questions that one, it makes you anxious or angry. Don't. I mean, certainly questions like that. They're so really at the end of the day so insignificant. They are fun. As someone who loves to they're debate. They're interesting, and they can be fun. They're intellectually yeah. stimulating, but don't work yourself up into a tizzy about them. And you can do that after you've said, Jesus is Lord, and you can do it with other Christ followers, but don't yeah. confuse yourself around and, and whatever you do, don't 
annihilate other people in a discussion over it and don't separate company from them and yeah. don't destroy friendships. It's just it's just not what Christ would have for us. And uh, again, like you said, they're interesting, they can be fun, they're intellectually stimulating, but at the end of the day, there's really one great question that you need to wrestle to the ground. Make sure you wrestle that one down and and all the rest, in some ways, they'll, they'll take care of themselves. Yeah. Well, this was good. Any uh, any closing thoughts? I guess that was your closing thought. That was my closing thought, yeah. So we'll, uh, <clears throat> we'll be back next week with more questions to be answered. I know we got uh, some about parenting and family and uh, marriage. Um, and another set. I'm blanking, but... Some good ones. All right. I'll look forward to it. Indeed, sir. Enjoyed it. Thank you.